Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome back to Casing the League on Believe Network, bringing you all top news, headlines, hot topics, but most importantly, best bets as we are in full swing of the hockey season. And speaking of best bets, this show is brought to you by Bet Online. Right now, we've got a nice little Texas showdown in the MLB postseason and the start of the NHL season. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your wagering info with up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get into the latest games, spreads, and totals for the NFL as well as college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics news, and odds. We have everything you need to stay up to speed on your favorites. That's from hockey all the way through the World Series. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, everyone, where the game starts. Now, today, as you guys can see, I'm your host, Casey Hudson, and I'm joined by Michael Dis. I knew I was going to butcher your name. Stefano. That's it. That's it? The one. There we it. go. I second guessed myself. Michael Stefano, <laughs> co-host on Locked on Leaves, as well as bringing you some best bets over on Covers.com. Michael, once again, thank you for joining me last minute uh, to break down this game coming up tomorrow night versus the Maple Leaves and the Lightning. Now, my first question that I have to ask you, I saw that you came up with a nice little jingle during playoffs for the Maple Leafs, breaking the curse, a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. <laughs> Would you a want to give us a little a little hum him of of that song, or tell us if you wrote that song? I did write the song. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I wish that I don't have to take credit for it, but I do, and I got ripped on it because somehow I wrote an entire song that's like uh, it's almost about a minute and a half long, not a single rhyme, which uh, at the time I didn't really actually notice, nor did I think it was necessary for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, it was a Justin Bieber parody. And uh, do I, it, it, it worked, right? It, they won the round and that's what it was all about. It was, this was the year that they went around and it, it seemed to work. So uh, it's only stupid and dumb if it doesn't, but it happened to work out for the Leafs this year or last year. So eh, I'd do it again. Right. That was actually about to be my follow-up question. Would you do it again? And if you did, would you change any of the lyrics? Oh, yeah. Like I, So I did it the <laughs> year before. I did a, a different one. You know, like that Wellerman song, like the old, there once was a man who went to see, like that song. <laughs> yes. So I did one like yeah. that to that tune for the Leafs in the first time that those these two teams met. It didn't work out. So then I chose a different song. So I went with the Beaver song, the Beaver song and uh, and it worked. So... I, I would do it again. I might have to go and do it again, you know, get the hat trick for three straight years if these two teams do meet in the playoffs again. Uh, but it'll have to be a completely new song, completely new lyrics. I, I can't recycle the same material. No, absolutely not. But like you said, it was it was a bit of good luck this time around, which brings me to the fact that the Toronto Maple Leafs break the curse. They get into round two. We all know what happened then. But heading into this season, the odds have been forever in their favor for the most part. They're sitting top to win the division at plus 155. Um, they're only sitting behind the Canes when it comes to the Eastern Conference ability to win, and they're behind two teams when it comes to the Stanley Cup conversation. 
you being around the team covering this team, what are your thoughts on some of these odds and their capability of succeeding with these odds? Yeah, I mean, the, the Maple Leafs are, are a big public team, so their odds are always going to be quite high. And uh, that, that might not be the best for betting in terms of trying to, to glean some value with your bets. But in terms of is it possible for the Maple Leafs to win a division? Is it possible for this team to win themselves an Eastern Conference title or, heck, even a Stanley Cup? Yeah, I think they have the team that can certainly do it. Uh, there's just might be some better value out there in terms of, of betting. But I think this is a, a pretty strong club. There was quite a bit of turnover. They've been off to a little bit of a slow start, but this has been par for the course the last few years. I think in in the cap era, if with teams having so much turnover year after year, it takes a little bit for these guys to gel. And uh, for the Maple Leafs, they've seemed to always struggle in October, and then they kind of pick things up in November and carry it all the way through and have themselves a heck of a season. Um, it's a bit of a, a weaker Atlantic this year with, you know, the injuries obviously to, uh, to, to Vasilevsky is, is going to leave the lightning. I think, you know, needing a little bit more out of everybody else. And you got the Boston Bruins who are off to a good start, but with the loss of Bergeron and, and Krejci, I think that's the squad that probably takes a step back and there's injuries out in Florida as well. So it's there for the least to grab the division title and it's up to them to, to figure things out quick and uh, start rolling and start winning and picking up points. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you actually pointed out the fact of the, the cash value here when it comes to looking at these odds and if you really want to put some money on it. So things to consider, hockey fans. Now, you mentioned something that's important in regards to the slow start. Tampa Bay Lightning are kind of feeling that fire as well. They come off of a road trip just picking up one point, but building uh, little by little off of each loss, I guess I should say. Uh, hockey's all about not getting too high, not getting too low in those first couple of months. So if you had to pinpoint something the Lightning have built off of well, what would you say that they've done well so far? Well, I think, you know, they, they finally got the victory the other night against Vancouver, and that's a team that, I think the lightning for sure uh, should be beating. So for them to, to get that win coming into Toronto's game is certainly a good thing. You look at the underlying numbers and they seem to control it. I think I was taking a look into this matchup and the first four games of the lightning season, they lost the possession battle. They were uh, below 50% and ex expected goals for finally, they were able to, to win that battle against the Canucks and sure enough, they won the game. So uh, I think just being able to, to play their game, and I think it's probably been an adjustment like you would probably know better than I when it comes to Tampa, an adjustment without playing with Vasilevsky. And, you know, guys may have to do a little bit more and they're figuring that out game by game. And I would imagine that, you know, coming into what's their sixth game of the season here tonight, they've been able to learn a little bit more about how much responsibility other players actually have to take in trying to replace that. I think I was listening to John Cooper um, speak with the media this morning and he said Vasilevsky's irreplaceable like you just can't replace a guy like that and it's going to take a, a committee not just by the two goaltenders but it's going to take everybody buying in all five guys on the ice are going to have to buy in so I, I expect for them to continue to kind of do that and they're going to need to do it against a, a pretty sharp offensive team in Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of a sharp offensive team in Toronto, we've seen Austin Matthews just put on an absolute clinic. Uh, two hat tricks back to back, making history as a player. And I spoke with Jeremy Roenick the other day, an NHL legend. He said that Austin Matthews is not only going to be a 60 goal scorer, but a top all time leading scorer. He's talking above 
McJesus uh, over here. What are your thoughts on uh, Austin Matthews' career with the Leafs? I know it was a big deal for him to get locked in because he wanted to remain in that sweater. An issue we know a little too close to home here in Tampa Bay. I mean, why not? Like you, you, when this guy's on his game, he is truly, in my opinion, and apparently Ronick's opinion as well, the the <laughs> best scorer on the planet. Like I know last year you saw McDavid. What do you have? Sixty four tucks last year, and that was incredible. But the year prior, Matthews had 60 in like 73 games. Like Austin Matthews, when he's on his A game, when he's healthy for a whole year, I think he's a guy who could certainly get to 65 and flirt with 70 goals. It's possible. This skill set is there. And when you start the season the way that he did, just firing rifles at the net uh, with pinpoint accuracy, I might add, like you said, back-to-back hat tricks to start the season. It it truly was incredible. Hasn't scored the last couple of games, but, I mean, he's been shooting like a madman. I think the game against Chicago, he had something like 18 shot attempts, nine of which on goal. And then the other night, same thing. He had five shots uh, in the loss against, uh, against Florida. So I expect for him to try and pick up where he left off and keep going, keep rolling, and the goals will start to come because he's he's sharp right now and just a little bit of bad puck luck the last couple of games. But, hey, it, it could go the other way when they take on Tampa tomorrow night. Yeah, and what I love about the framework that you just did with this question, I saw that you tweeted about uh, Mitch Marner being basically a pain in the side, a menace, as you said, for the uh, Florida Panthers. Who would be the menace on the Leafs roster for the Tampa Bay Lightning? I mean, probably Austin Matthews. Like, you don't have to go too I had far. A you'd lean there. <laughs> you don't got to go too far to see, you know, what happened last year in the playoffs. Like, that guy single-handedly put the Leafs on uh, on his back in that first-round series and rallied them back. And and what was it, four-one? And he comes back, scores a couple goals. I came up with five throughout the the six-game series last year. I was looking into the numbers, and and I think he's got like twelve goals over the course of uh, or not. It was nine goals in eighteen career games. Um, Basically, he's averaging half a goal per game when he takes on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the regular season over a point per game. So I think Austin Matthews, uh, he he likes to, to play the Bolts. I think that's what's so cool about this matchup is that it seems to bring out the best in each team and the best players seem to really show up. And uh, I, I expect for that to continue in this in this game Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it maybe is a little bit of PTSD, but for a second, it felt like Austin Matthews was to the Bolts what Matthew Kachuk was in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's just, you need that clock to run down to make sure nothing else is going to happen or else it's going to be Austin Matthews to get it done or Kachuk in in the instance of the Stanley Cup finals. Now, sometimes we're expected to kind of jump out of the the core players that we know can always get the job done. You know, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, we're always talking about Nikita Kudrov, Braden Point, so on and so forth. If you were to step outside of the core of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who's like one of your problematic players or top two problematic players that don't get enough conversation around their name that can help tilt the ice and be a momentum swinger against any opponent? Uh, I mean, a big problem with the Leafs so far this season is they're not getting that depth scoring at all, right? The big reason why they are coming into this game losing two straight is because without Matthews and Nylander finding the back of the net, well, no one's finding the back of the net. A lot of conversation is rightly so put around the core four in Toronto. That's Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. You could throw Morgan Riley into that uh, into that mix as well as maybe a fab five as some people are starting to, to call them now. 
But ultimately, like for me, I, I think you could look at the lo- a lot of the new players that have come to this group that they want to see some more of, right? Tyler Bertuzzi, I think they want to see more of. Max Domi's had a tough go to start here, and he was brought in to add that supplementary offense, and it's it's just yet to come. Um, he, he looks lost out there, and, and I wonder if it's just too much pressure. He thinking, hey, my dad was a legend here. There's a lot of pressure on me to perform, and therefore it's just kind of getting to him a little bit. Um, you know, Defensively, they've been a bit of a mess in their own end. They need guys like Jake McCabe to really step up and be that you know shutdown defender that they acquired at the trade deadline last offseason. You know, he's been on the ice for, I think, six or seven goals again that five on five already when we four games into the season. So there's a number of players that I think Toronto's looking at, um, and particularly deeper into the lineup that needs to step up here early in, in the season. Yeah, absolutely. And Tyler Bertuzzi was somebody that I thought was such a great grab. But what I will say is that I felt like his statistics and his positive trends came more so in playoffs on the Bruins Mm. roster versus kind of across the season. So maybe that's an acclimation period. But then you've got a leader and a guy like Ryan Reeves. Is it too much chirping on the ice and too much muscle uh, versus picking up some goals? Or is it just something to where once he starts gelling with the team, has more time in the Leaf jersey, that it's all going to become synergistic? Look, the Ryan date <laughs> is running rampant within Leafs Nation, and my co-host and I, Dave, spoke about this on our Locked On Leafs podcast the other day too. There, there are two schools of thought here, and even when this signing was made, I was more so on the analytics side, where I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah, he's a tough guy and all that, but look, the guy is just not that great of a hockey player anymore. If he was, you wouldn't have the New York Rangers and the Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights and the Pittsburgh Penguins, all these teams who are who have Stanley Cup aspirations, given up on this guy over the course of the last four or five years and eventually realize, oh, that toughness isn't quite worth it. You know, like there's more risk than reward with him on the ice. And I think Leaf fans are maybe starting to see that. Um, but ultimately, it sounds as though the players really like the guy. And who am I to say if, if that actually has any off-ice impact? But so far, I mean, I haven't been a big fan of what I've seen on the ice from Ryan Reeves. Yeah, he's got into a couple of fights. He's punched a couple dudes in the face. But I, I, I need to see a little bit more production and a little bit more success in the offensive zone uh, in order for me to kind of sign off on that being the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that I was able to actually pick your brain about this debate and know that you had a debate about this because when talking to Jeremy Roenick, uh, we were kind of talking about the fact that any player today that has any sort of old school heavy hitter, let's drop the gloves consistently uh, fashion to their game, it doesn't really translate. It's all about talent these days. I even went ahead and asked Jeremy, you know, because you were also an enforcer as well as somebody that can score goals, would your game have translated today? And he said, absolutely not. So it could just be the fact that he has to either change his game or, as you mentioned, the team hopping is going to continue. For me, it's it's not even that he needs to change his game. It's it's the guys who can do both, I, I think, is is what the modern-day NHL you know needs, right? Guys who have the size mm-hmm. and the skill and the speed. Like, it's just such a fast game. And, you know, when, when you can't play at that level and the game's a little bit too quick for you, it's it's going to expose you pretty early on and and we've seen that a number of times already with Ryan Reeves on the ice. I think he's been on the goal on the ice for three or four goals against also. And the guy only plays like 8 minutes a game. So it's yeah. not great. Not great. 
Yeah, I was going to say just about eight minutes there. Now, uh, you guys' arena is just absolutely insane. The intensity is there, but obviously that branch is just from the, the historicness that sits with this arena, as well as the dynasty and everything else. Do you think that's an added pressure for these Leafs players to perform wearing that jersey representing one of the startups of hockey? Yeah, I think it probably would be. Like anytime you get to throw on a sweater of an original six franchise, I think it's it's got to put a little bit of of pressure on guys. Every anytime somebody comes to Toronto, they always talk about how honored they are to to you know play for that team because of the history involved with the organization. So I, I think uh, there's there's probably some merit to that. All right, definitely true. Now, probably on a lighter side of things, I saw that some Leafs players decided to trade in their jerseys and start bagging groceries or turn into grocery <laughs> managers. Did you see this? I did. I definitely <laughs> did. Yeah, I think it was what Matthews and Marner, and you know, it was like one of those scenes out of Impractical Jokesters. Like I don't know if you watched that show. I or love seen. it. That's exactly what it I'm was. I'm addicted right? to prank shows. It's mm -hmm. so funny. You've got guys. You know. You know what? It's great. It does show the person that these guys have personality. Like, there's always been a bit of an issue with in hockey with players being able to show those personalities. But when you see guys, mm -hmm. you know, outside of the hockey rink and, and in a little bit more of a comforting environment, it shows that these dudes are just regular humans and they like to have fun. You got Morgan Riley and, and Marner just kind of razzing him by telling him, you know, Hey, say this or, or Take bite bites. the apple, yeah, bite the apple, <laughs> give it to right. Like it's, it's just, it's funny. It really is. So I love that video. Uh, I thought that it was a great little promo for for both sides, and uh, hopefully we see more of that within the within the NHL. I, I think that it's good for the game. Oh, a hundred percent. That's what I was most excited about too, because like some people didn't even hesitate when he took a bite out of something. Let alone, did anybody know that Austin Matthews had a brilliant British accent that he could just throw on on the dime? It was pretty good. Like, that was my party trick in college to get free drinks. He can use that for himself. <laughs> Uh, not that he needs anything for free, but if he wanted to, he could try to swindle people with the accent. But personality is important, and I think it's going to help grow this game. Uh, I'm a big advocate for getting new fans on board. You know, hockey has its own language. It's its own world. And seeing stuff like that and realizing, like, how funny these guys are, I think would be tremendous. PK Subban tweeted, you know, do we need more personalities in hockey? How do we even get there? Like, are there organizations taking steps to, to make this – a change in the, the in the hockey culture it's a good question and you know I, I think that you see people use utilizing social media teams utilizing social media a little bit more to do this type of stuff um like i know the the minnesota wild actually i'm not sure if you've watched but it seems like their promo team has started to really make a name for themselves they've got a bunch of funny skits and stuff that they do um and, and it's just part of like the promotional coverage of you know trying to get people to come out to the games and whatnot but they're using the players in a funny way they're they're out there acting and you know they're in dressed up and stuff like there was a a, a billy madison scene that the one guy did for it was the gus oh bus gosh. and he was the the bus driver <laughs> for philip gustafson i thought that it was hilarious um i think the hurricanes have done a really good job when it comes to uh like twitter they've been a very savvy twitter uh team as, as well witty. as nights extremely witty so you know, I think that that stuff will come with time, uh, but there is still very much like an old guard where, you know, guys are very reserved. And I think part of it, too, comes through like some of the old school guys. Like I saw Taylor Hall when 
Chicago rolled through Toronto trying to like curtail uh, the amount of coverage of, of Connor Bedard. Like, no, we need more coverage, as much coverage as possible on the superstars of the league. Like, this is how you market the league. I don't know what you're talking about. If you want to make more money as a, as a player, that's that needs to happen. Bedard needs to talk in interviews. He needs to talk to the media. I, I just sometimes I want to give these guys uh, their heads a shake and be like, you know, the, this stuff needs to happen in order for the NHL to take the next steps and be in the stratosphere of the NBA, the MLB, and you know the NFL, which currently is king right now. I know. I feel like it would be funny. I mean, for, for Bernard, I feel like it was more of just like the pressure of freshly being in and everybody's obsession of him posting 30 goals in season one. But I feel like it would be a, a great approach if we were able to go in the locker room with the guys and say, answer this question and use zero hockey jargon. <laughs> and I wonder <laughs> no pucks who, I wonder who would no pucks indeed, no east west, no north south, like got a strong four check going. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and once you do that, you get the pucks find the back of the net. Like I, I get it. I, I read that last week, but like I just wonder what guys would respond to that. Like, is there a player that you think would actually be like, all right, I'm not gonna use any of the jargon, I'm actually gonna respond to you. I'm putting you on the spot with a bunch of stuff right now, but I figured. What, when it, what, no, all good. I love it. It's it's fun conversation. <laughs> um, in terms of like players, like ugh, I, I don't know if I can think of like a, a player, but there are some coaches that I really like listening to that I think have good personalities. Like John Cooper, I could listen to a John Cooper presser all day long. Like that guy, and he's not. He's very methodical with the way he speaks. So too. methodical. And, mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's his background in law, right? Like he knows how to press the buttons, and and he doesn't just use hockey speak. He uses everyday language, right? But it's it's still people understand it, and, and I think that it's it's enjoyable to listen to. Paul Maurice too is another guy. He's more of a storyteller, um, but he's he's great to listen to. As for like players, I mean, Ryan Reeves is actually a really entertaining person, I suppose. Like Ryan Reeves could probably, you know, talk <laughs> a little bit about the the game without having to use that language. There's a bunch of dudes who've been to Harvard who I'm sure have an expansive vocabulary. Like Kerfoot used to be here Alex in Kalorn. Toronto. <laughs> Alex Kalorn. Uh, like there's a bunch of guys that I think, uh, who else went to, to Harvard? There's been a bunch of dudes who've had. Kane's got a guy here. from Harvard. Yeah. There was a couple in Toronto that uh, that were there. Jack Rathbone, I think, was a Harvard guy. He just recently got traded to Pittsburgh. But there's a lot of these dudes who went to Ivy League schools who've got an expansive vocabulary. Use it. Don't just stick to hockey jargon. Yep, I would love it. I would hopefully if I if it didn't cause problems in the PR department of our team, I could see if I can get away with it. But I'll sneak <laughs> it in there eventually. <laughs> but speaking of. Um, Back to kind of the the leaps and the lightning here. Do you consider this a real rivalry? I kind of talked to you about this earlier in the segment, the fact that, you know, every time these two teams come together, it's intense. Um, Is there a reality to this rivalry here? I think so. I think there is 100%. Like you you look at the last, you know, three, four years, there's been a lot of really quality games that have been played. And then you look at the last two years beating each other in the Stanley Cup playoffs with, Tampa getting the best to Toronto the 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 first year and then last year obviously Toronto exercising those demons and and getting the best of the bolts uh last year. I, I think for sure those types of 
playoff games certainly create rivalries. And I know there's been a lot of turnover on both squads, but ultimately the cores have remained relatively the same uh, on both sides. And again, like I said, I was, I, I heard John Cooper speaking today with, with the media ahead of the matchup. And even he had to say, typically there's not a whole lot of regular season rivalries uh, in hockey these days outside of maybe some original six matchups. But when you do get those playoff rematches, there's a little bit more of uh, an urge that uh, that could pop up and he's expecting to see in the game here against Toronto and, and Tampa. So yeah, I, I think for sure this is, this has been a, a fun rivalry to, to cover and, and I'm excited for the game. Yeah, super hyped for the game. Now, I noticed that the Maple Leafs got a little bit more physical in their game, so I kind of anticipate us seeing some decent amount of guys heading to the penalty box. But something I noticed is that both of these goaltenders heading into tomorrow night's matchup uh, have let up an average of four goals per game. What is your expectation here when it comes to how many goals that these teams can both give up uh, in combination in equivalence to what they can post um, and how much high scoring or low scoring you might get? Yeah, I would uh, I would give advice to whoever the goal lamp operator <laughs> is tomorrow. Don't do a shoulder workout today because you're gonna get a workout tomorrow. Like I, I think we're gonna <laughs> see a pretty high scoring affair. Um, I mean, both goaltenders, to, to your point, haven't been sharp uh, to start the year. I mean, there's there's no Andre Vasilevsky and there's no obviously no replacing that. But you know, Johansson, I believe, has been named the starter. He hasn't gotten off to a good start either uh defensively i don't think that the the bolts have played particularly well um along with the maple Leafs. so both offenses if you give them opportunities they're going to cash and both squads have been able to do that uh i think the leafs the last couple games sure they've haven't been able to get a lot of offense but if you look i, I believe the number was like five goals scored below expected so they're generating a lot of chances they're just not uh, not finding the back of the net. They're not quite getting goal lead per se, but a little bit of bad puck luck and and some decent goaltending has kind of stymied them. Um, I'm I'm thinking that that probably won't continue uh, with Johansson in goal, and we do see a high scoring affair. Yeah, absolutely. I find it kind of odd sometimes that when I look at the statistics and numbers of both of these teams, they tend to blueprint one another in a lot of ways. Yeah. all the time so i think that's also what makes this matchup so intense um what are the chances you think that we get a ryan reeves and tanner janot throwdown? very high very high <laughs> chances would you that bet was- on first period second period or third period where are you stacking your money to see the gloves drop between these two heavy hitters i believe so far ryan reeves both of his fights have come pretty early in the game they've both been first period uh fights just to try and get the tempo going (laughs) well like it's just to get it going like austin matthews after game two so he scored a hat trick in game one did it as well in game two and they have like a game belt that they give away to the player of the game and he decided not to keep it after scoring a hat trick against Minnesota, but instead gave it to Ryan Reeves. Cause apparently that's what fired the boys up after they went down one to nothing and got them back into it. So I, I think that's probably likely going to be a way that this team likes to get themselves amped up. And Ryan Reeves knows what his job is. It's not to score goals. It's not really even to, to play much defense either. It's get out there, lay some hits, uh, don't get scored on as much as possible, obviously. But when the time comes to to fire up the boys with a big hit or a fight, he's got to answer the bell. And and with this game, you know, meaning a lot. They've lost two straight 
coming into it. I think they're going to want to try and, uh, you know, quiet Amelie Arena early and, you know, a fight could potentially get them rolling, get them, you know, going and hopefully score and, and quiet the arena. So yeah, I think we see one early. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. That's probably one of the things I'm looking most forward to. I don't know about anybody else because Janot was our generator last night after a big punishing tilt uh, with one of the Canucks guys. Now, we mentioned the fact that these two teams kind of blueprint one another. You know, they've got to be clean in their D zone. They can't just leave their goalies out to dry. They have to clean up in a lot of the same areas. Uh, Can you give us any keys to success that the Leafs will need in order to pull off a W on home ice for the Bolts? Yeah, I mean, you just said it. One there is is limit the turnovers. The the Maple Leafs have been careless with the puck this season. They've given up, uh, I think the number is 38 giveaways so far through four games. Uh, just way too much, way too much. And a lot of them have resulted in, you know, some odd man rushes uh, the, the other way and a lot of rush chances and, and some goals. It's cost them. So I think definitely Toronto's going to need to make sure that they protect the puck um, and another thing too, is Toronto's got to try and establish a four check. Uh, that's been something that they've seriously lacked both defending a four check and establishing one themselves over the last couple of games. I think they got to try and get back to that. A big reason why they brought in a Max Domi or, a, you know, a Matthew Nyes is here to do, or, and obviously Tyler Bertuzzi yeah. and Ryan Reeves, Noah Gregor also is they're here to try and establish a four check and haven't quite been able to do that the last couple of games, which has been a reason why they've lost. Um, so I think that's going to be another big key for, for Toronto's to win that battle and then just get traffic to the net. You saw how successful that was against Vasilevsky in the playoffs. That's Vasilevsky. You do that against Jonas Johansson. That's probably going to also be a successful game plan for the <laughs> Leafs. So I'd say, you know, win the, win the net front battles as well. And things should go well for them. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, even though I hate to agree with you going against my Tampa Bay Lightning. And before we let you go, Michael, any best bets that you have for tomorrow night? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if if I'm predicting overs, um, there's more value if you take the Leafs over three and a half. I think the the over is starting to approach seven based off of the numbers that I've been seeing. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of value if you're taking like over six and a half. But if you take the Leafs over three and a half, a little bit more value uh, on the books. And I expect it to be a high scoring game and and. You know, Toronto should come out on top. So if you're going to win a track meet, you definitely got to score more than three goals. Uh, so I, I think that would be a decent wager. I've seen it about like minus 120, but uh, that would be a, a decent bet that I probably will be placing tomorrow. Yes, I am with you on that. As we said, we are both predicting <laughs> a lot of high scoring here going against these two goalies, letting up about four goals per game. Michael, I can't thank you enough once again for letting me kidnap you in the middle of a Friday to talk about this Leafs and Lightning matchup for all your great insight and best bets and information. Um, it's at Mikey underscore Canucks. Is that what I saw that your handle was? Fantastic. Yeah, so everybody needs to go get you. Did I call you Maddie or Mikey? No, they called me mad. It's Mickey underscore Canuck, but Mickey. There we go. (laughs) Again, I'll never pretend that I'm good with anyone's names. Like even relatives have nicknames so that I can just quickly go through it. Um, Something that I'm growing through. (laughs) But Mickey, as you said, underscore Canucks, give a follow for all Leafs coverage. Make sure you check out Locked on Leafs and so on and so forth. And bet online for best bets. Until next time, guys, I am your host, Casey Hudson, here on Casey the League on Believe Network. And we'll catch up with you next week. (laughs) 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.